This is episode 27. I am one of your hosts, Willa Rowe. And I'm your other host, Robin B. Did you know, Robin, um, have you ever cleaned your oven? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, not not my current one, but I have cleaned an oven. So let me tell you. Uh, it's my deep cleaning day, as uh-huh. I've told you. Uh-huh. We are deep cleaning our oven. And to do that, you take everything out of it. Like, you don't have anything in it, obviously. And then you hit the clean button. And do you know what happens? Do you know what I learned what the self-clean button does in the oven? I've, I've never, never had done one with it. a self-clean button, so I don't know. Well, I'm fancy, I guess. And truly. So, <laughs> I had to look it up. And apparently what it does is it just for... Like a few hours, the oven turns on and it gets really, really, really hot. So it literally just like burns everything that's in there to ash. So it just goes away. But let me tell you, when you do that, it takes four hours and it gets really hot. Yeah. And it gets really smelly. That sucks. I started ours two hours ago. Oh, no. So when your fire alarm goes off in the middle of this episode, that's why. So currently, while recording, it is hot (laughs) and smelly. And I just thought, and I held this information till we started recording mm -hmm. because I thought it would be funny. So you would have a record that you're gassing yourself currently. Yeah, exactly. So anyways, um, Aloy's gay. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Good for her. Yeah. I feel like we always knew. Like, come on. It seemed pretty obvious we all we all knew and hoped did you play um horizon zero dawn or forbidden west for that matter i played zero dawn yes i played the first one i did not play the second one so i have also only played zero dawn i loved Mm -hmm. it i i loved it dearly i actually really like that game but i remember i remember there's a character in it who's like part of like the hunting group or whatever there's this other girl and you can go down this whole hunting plot line and you get to interact with her a lot. And I was like, please. Yeah. These two, they are lovers. They're girlfriends. And I was always like, this is ridiculous that they aren't. But um, but yeah, so now Aloy, she actually gets to smooch women. And that's cool. It's the game's first ever romance. Yeah, I get, yeah, I was trying to think. Like, I can't really think of any other. Like, there are very oblique references to like, ah, oh, my wife, my husband, like other, you know, like from like com- like not even tertiary characters, but like you know whatever's beyond that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's a very uh, unhorny game. Um, I'm glad that they did like canonically make her mm-hmm. a lesbo, though. So is there so the character that she like smooches? Is she? Somebody who's just introduced in the DLC, do you know? I haven't really As far like, as I know, yes. Just some some girl they invented for her to kiss, which is a perfectly reasonable thing to do. She needed to kiss a girl. <laughs> she really did. They need to do one for her. I'm glad she, you know, has bitches now. It's true. Yeah. But you know, this was the we're gay corner and we're happy for Aloy to be also gay. Shout out to women lovers everywhere. Women loving women. Um, but uh in other news. <laughs> In less Nintendo. important news. Yeah. Nintendo did another Indie World showcase. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll just get it out of the way. Silksong was not shadow dropped. So tragic. Uh, Everyone's rip. hopes once again. Yeah, seriously. Uh, I do think it's funny that whenever they do do an Indie World showcase or just anything, the chat, if you look at the chat, it's always just Silksong, Silksong, Silksong. God, the chat for all of those events is always 
such a fucking nightmare. Mm-hmm. Like I always close it after like 10 seconds because it just becomes like I, Nintendo s- seems to be less bad than the others. But for a lot of them, it's just like anytime there's a woman or a person of color on screen, it's just like, oh, no, what's what is happening? Mm-hmm. Um, but they showed off a bunch of games. So I just wanted to like talk about it and see if you thought there were any cute things. Yeah. Um, Cause we talked about it like just very briefly, um, as it was happening and mm-hmm. how it was kind of, it felt like nothing that was that exciting. But then when I looked over the list of games afterward, I was like, no, actually there's some good stuff in here that I'm, I'm fairly excited about. I just think for whatever reason, the show was not very it wasn't an f- exciting show to watch. <laughs> yeah, it's weird because we've talked before about how like the Nintendo Directs tend to be the best of these sort of digital showcases. Mm-hmm. But for whatever reason, this one just kind of fell flat for me, even though like just looking at the list of games, I'm like, oh, yeah, I, I want to play a lot of these, actually. I will say, though, they started off with this game, Mineko's Night Market, which yeah. looks so cute. I know. I've been waiting. I've been following this game for so long. And I keep it's one of those games where like, I keep thinking like, oh, it must have come out already. And I just mm-hmm. didn't see it because it's I've been watching it for like years at this point. Um, but it just keeps looking cuter and cuter. And I'm like, I'm so excited that it finally has a release date. I just I love the art style. It's yeah, so it's cute. really pretty. And I just, you know, a game that involves a cat and everything. It looks yeah. very, very fun. Mm-hmm. Um, what else was there that like uh, looked good to you? Because I, I mean, I have a feeling you were interested by Rift of the Necrodancer. It's a big year for like rhythm games. Yeah, that's interesting. It is. Um, so this is like as as the name probably tipped you off by the same developers as Crypt of the Necrodancer, and then Cadence of Hyrule, which was a like Zelda themed spinoff of that game, mm-hmm. but instead of like. Those games had a very different play style than this one. This is a very like, you know, hit the notes in the lanes as they come down type game with some some interesting twists, which I, I was I was glad to see that there were that those twists. Like I this developer has done such interesting things with rhythm games. I don't mm-hmm. really want to see them do a straight like rock band kind of thing. So it's cool to see that they are like using that formula, but like mixing it up a lot. I know I sent you a message as this trailer was unfolding, that, like, every woman in this game is so attractive. So true. That was the first thing I noticed. But the second thing I noticed <laughs> was that it does look very fun to play. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm quite excited for that one. Mm-hmm. What's your What was your feeling on that? I mean, I've st- still never played Crypt of the Necker Dancer. Dang, you should. Um, it's very good. It looks really, this looks really fun, though. And I love the mm-hmm. art style. I will say, I, while watching it, I was like watching some of it happen. I was like, I don't know, this looks too hard for me. <laughs> yeah, their their games do tend to be pretty tough. I had that experience with like both Crypt of the Dancer and Cadence of Hyrule. Is like it felt impossible for like the first hour or two, mm-hmm. and then you if like as soon as you click in, it's one of those things where you just like it basically hypnotizes you. You know, you just you just lose all sense of time. Yeah. And it seems like this will be very similar to that. I was watching it in my apartment and Zoe was like watching it over me. And let me tell you, Zoe's she, watching over you. Your guardian was, angel. Yeah. She was so hyped when a little to the left came up with oh a gosh. DLC. Yes. She loved She was very, uh, she was a big fan of that game. So that came up and I was like, oh, perfect. Perfect for Zoe. Did you play uh, a little to the left? I didn't. I never ended up playing it either. I, I think it looks really cool. I just never, I just haven't 
gotten around to it, but I watch Zoe um, play a lot of it. <laughs> nice. Yeah, it does look very cute. I'm not actually a gamer. Zoe's right. a gamer. Um <laughs> did you play Cult of the Lamb? Yes. Do you like Cult of the Lamb? I was into it. Um I had issues with it largely and just like I didn't think the combat was that great. I, it's the problem that I have with a lot of these games where it tries to be like a mashup of this genre and this genre where they mm. often will be like neither part of that feels completely developed. And that was kind of my feel for Cult of the Lamb where like I really enjoyed it, but it was like when I really wanted to go hard on like the combat side, it felt a little lacking. And when I wanted to go really hard on like the the building side, it felt a little lacking. But when I was able to maintain that thing of like doing a little bit of each part and like bouncing back and forth, it felt very satisfying. Mm -hmm. So it's like neither element of it is, it's just like an inch more shallow than I want it to actually be. You know what I mean? Like they were both so close. Um, But overall I did, I did really, really enjoy it. That was another game where it was just like, once I locked into it, it was just like, I just lost hours to it without noticing. Well, it has DLC coming. So good for you. (laughs) And I believe it's a free DLC too. Yeah, I think so. So if you have the game, you have this DLC, which is quite cool. Um, I would like to go back and play more of it. So they showed Animal Well, which is uh, Donkey's game. I didn't realize that 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 this was the game that he was publishing. Because I remember this getting showed off a few months ago at some other showcase. Mm. And it was like far and away the one that I was the most excited about. I will say so. Like this game looks fun. Um, looks, I'm, I'm like really jazzed. It looks very. It looks cool. really cool. I like the art. Um, but the best part of this, <laughs> the best part of this game during the showcase was definitely the live part, where it was like the video of Donkey and the like other developer, like the guy uh-huh. who's like mainly de- the developer. It seems like. And they're sitting at like a little like pond or like a lake or something. And the developer is just talking about what it's like making this game. And Donkey is in the background, just like hopping across stones in the shallow part of the lake. (laughs) He just like trips and kind of like falls in a little bit. So good. It was the best part of the entire showcase. It was so genuinely funny. I didn't want I I saw that part and I like I kind of turned down the volume because I was like, I don't I can't deal with this. I don't want to. I'm sorry, Donkey. I don't want to hear you talking about this game. <laughs> I, I enjoyed it greatly. Um, I'll have to watch that part though, because I, I, <laughs> I don't know. I have this weird like cringe reaction to a lot of like the live presentation parts of a lot of these shows. Mm-hmm. There's just something about that. Like, if it's not a developer, if it's just like anyone else talking straight to a to the camera, I'm always just like, I don't want to hear about it. Like, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> like, yeah. Um, another game that I thought looked very cool and that Zoe was <laughs> Zoe just was so vocal during this press conference um, or showcase, but Crime O'Clock. It's I will never understand the things that like the kind of games that like Zoe gets starts paying attention it's, to. It's a really it's I could a never predict which games <laughs> Zoe is going to like. We really we really do need to get to the bottom of it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll see. Maybe maybe if she ends up, you know, earning a place yeah, when she this, kicks her ass in the uh, contest. But yeah, it does look very cool. I, I'm not sure I totally understand what the game is. As someone who very much enjoys games that play with time and how cause and effect works, mm-hmm. the general can like p- 
pitch of this game that it seemed to be during the showcase is that that's kind of the centerpiece of this game is like solve some mysteries across time and the way you like do things in certain places can affect other times. And I love that shit because I think of like um, the big one for me is there's a there's a level in Dishonored 2 where you get like an item that lets you go between time in this one mansion and it's like it's really cool how you can like play with that and stuff um so i love games that do that so the idea that it plays with that kind of um, premise is is fun yeah i think that's a really cool concept like i Mm -hmm. it's such an interesting idea that i like it that sort of gets implemented in small ways i think in like you know several different games but seeing a whole game built around that is very interesting yeah, I'll be interested to see how that, how that turns out. And also has this very cool, like, black and white art style. It reminds me a lot of um, Toem, where it's, like, the same kind of, like, isometric perspective and the same, like, you know, black and white aesthetic, mm-hmm. which I think is something that, like, very, very few games have done. So I, I think it's really... it Like, actually, more than anything, it makes... It looks like a coloring book to me. Yes. Which I think is a very cool aesthetic for oh, it. Oh, that... You know what? That might be the Rosetta Stone for why Zoe likes it, because she oh, loves chicory. There we go. Oh, which yeah. Is a, oh, Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Were there other games that looked good to you or were interesting? Um, yeah, I mean, so the other ones that were shown were like My Time at Sandrock, which is like a building game. I played a little bit of My Time at Porsche, and it's like a cool one of those. Mm-hmm. There's a game called Calico, uh, Quil- Quilts and Cats of Calico in here, which is based on a board <laughs> game that's that's actually a really good game. Um, so... I think part of the fun of the board game, though, is having the little color patterned tiles and like playing with them. So I don't Mm -hmm. know if I would find as much joy with it in a video game because like the sort of tactileness of it and being able to like look up close at these little things is very nice. But another another fun, like cute cat game that's coming out. Tesla Grad 2 is also good. I don't know if you've ever played Tesla Grad. Really, really good. Yeah, it's like a great um, kind of Metroidvania ish platformer where you have these like sort of like electricity magnetism powers that you solve a lot of puddles puzzles with also just a very cool art style so that i don't think that that one actually got a release date oh no it, it launched it came out the day of the showcase so um mm-hmm. so it is out now um but that looks like a very cool one the game that i saw a lot of people get like super super excited about was oxen free 2 yeah which again i didn't i never played the original oh you should play oxen free yeah I think you would. You could go either way, but I, I think it's a good game. I think one of the the so uh, Oxen Free is like a kind of adventure game, like a on a, like a two D adventure game. Mostly, it's solving these little puzzles as you explore this kind of like haunted island. But it's mostly about like conversations. Like the big thing about it was the conversations that your character can have with with other characters on the island. And I think the thing that a lot of people really appreciated about the first game was like it's a cast of teenagers and the dialogue is like so good and so real for like how teenagers would talk like it's it's very easy to be cringy when you're trying to write dialogue for like younger people and i think oxenfree did a really good job it's also just gorgeous it it has like just a really really distinct art style that um has lots of like one of the the main premises of the game is you have a radio and you can tune to different stations that basically lets you like 
bring these like ghosts or these like echoes of things that have happened on the island like back to your time and that's accompanied by some really interesting like visual effects like screen effects and stuff so it's just a really great look it's like a very interesting style of play and like it was very well written um so i am also i'm pretty excited for that one i think i'm a little less excited like I, i think the first one did so well at like seeing that premise through to its like like doing the most it could with it that like doing it again actually seems a little less exciting to me because it's like, well, you already kind of like, I don't know how you could have done that better. So it's kind of like, what are you doing this time? But it, it still will be cool to see like how the story progresses. I think Oxenfree is definitely worth playing. Yeah. Um, the other sequel that I've, a lot of people were very excited for was Blasphemous too, um, which is another Metroidvania. And have you, did you play the original of this? Nope. I played a bit of it. Um, to be honest, I found it a little too punishing like, it's really difficult, as a lot of these games tend to be, and that's fine. Like, I, I think I'm less attracted to that type of game than I used to be, like, mm-hmm. when I was, like, really in my, like, FromSoft fan heyday. So I'll still play them, but I'm, I'm less, like, seeking that out now. But the thing that really killed it for me is there's, like, a lot of platforming in this game, and it does the thing where, like, if you fall off the screen, you just fucking die. And I'm just like, don't don't do that to me like don't make me replay this whole section just because i missed one of these stupid platforms like yeah that seems so punishing to me in a game that's that's like this that's punishing you for failure i'm just like i don't know it just feels that's what felt very frustrating to me Mm -hmm. but it's a really it's a really good game i'll probably try this one and see if i can be less of a scrub this time uh because it was an excellent game and again like another just absolutely gorgeous looking game there's i think Patrick Klepek had some interesting stories about the original where he talked to the developers of it and how I believe it's a Spanish developer. And they talked about how these like Catholic celebrations in Spain, like inspired the look of of the game. So it's it's just a very, very unique, you know, art style and art direction in it. So that's very cool. Yeah, I will say. And then like the the showcase ended with like a sizzle reel. Mm-hmm. And I will say there were great, so there were some great things in the sizzle reel. I agree. Because... There was I, I liked yeah, some of my favorite stuff was in that sizzle. I know. Well, I know Bomb Rush <laughs> Cyberpunk was there. I know. Like, okay. I know, dog. You've told me. Mm-hmm. With a release date, was this the first time they announced a release date? They may have announced and then like and then pushed back to like indefinite at some point. Yeah. But yeah, it's coming out in August now, and I'm so excited. <laughs> so I'm so happy for you. There's also little kitty big city yes which looks great mm-hmm. it's pretty did cute. you see um the thing the developer posted on twitter the other day yes. someone wrote him an email where someone emailed them and was like hey i want to play this with my kids as like will the cat get like injured or like well there he was like is there a mode you can turn on to <laughs> make it so the cat doesn't get injured and then i'm pretty sure they responded they were like don't worry the cat can't get harmed yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, somebody wrote in and was like, you know, I have two daughters who like really want to play it. Like, is there a, like, it's, you know, is there an option to make it so the cat can't get hurt? And the developer wrote back like, oh, I have kids too. And like, I want them to be able to play it without getting upset. Yeah. The cat can't get hurt. Like, I hope they have, mm-hmm. I hope they love it. It was just like, oh, that's very the, sweet. The, the person who wrote that email sounds to me like someone who was like, oh, Stray is a game about a cat. I'm going to play that with my kids. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't want to make that mistake twice. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Um, yeah, Little Kitty Big City I, I, is another one that I've been like waiting for for so long. Paper Trail is another game that was shown off in the sizzle reel and announced a release date. Um, and that's a game that I've been looking forward to. Uh, they have a demo on Steam that's really fun. It's basically like 
it's like a 2D game that like it, the mechanic is kind of based around like the the levels are like on paper basically and you can like fold it like origami kind of and it changes how you progress it looks really really cool i like the art style i think that'll be fun mm -hmm. um did you ever play carto no it's it looks this reminds me a lot of that carto is a game where you um you're exploring this island it's like a very similar perspective and like kind of aesthetic as this game you're exploring an island and you can find little pieces of the map of the island as you go and you can then like build a map out of those pieces and wherever you place them is how the island is so you can like rearrange the map as you're exploring it to like if i need to get to this section of the island but i need a bridge to get there i can take a bridge from somewhere else on the map and put it where i need it to be and then cross that bridge in like the actual island it's a very cool idea of like mm -hmm. manipulating the world through a map that looks like quite similar to this and then you know last but not least well before we get to last but not least because i know you want to you'll i know what you're excited about God. there's a game called chance of senar on here Okay. That I also looks really cool. I played a demo of this during the last Steam Demo Fest, which this reminds me quite a bit of Heaven's Vault, which was a game about like piecing together a like you play as like an archaeologist trying to figure out a language. Uh, and this looks quite similar where you're not aesthetically, but just in that concept where you are kind of finding bits of language and using that to figure out what it is that you're seeing and like sort of learn this made up language as you go. It also has a really gorgeous art style. It's like kind of hard to describe. It's like sort of flat, unshaded colors, but like very vivid colors and lots of like wide shots of things. So you have these massive like scale vistas of, of everything you're seeing. It's just a really, really interesting looking game, uh, both in terms of like its concept and its aesthetic. So I'm, I'm quite excited for that as well. But then the one that I, I know that you're stoked for... <laughs> Last in the sizzle reel, they showed off Escape Academy, the complete mm -hmm. edition, coming this fall to Switch. Escape Academy is great. Everybody should play it. Although I have to be honest, I don't feel like Switch is the best platform for it, but whatever. So is this just um, the game plus the DLC that's already come out, or is there anything new to it? There are going to be two more pieces of DLC, but one of them is out so far. Um, this game is great. And I think so, like the the complete edition will have everything, I assume. Uh, so maybe you'll finally play it. Maybe. I feel like Escape Academy is to you as Potionomics is to me, <laughs> which is like the game that came out last year that we were the only like I felt like I was the only one talking about Potionomics. <laughs> and so I brought it up every time I could. And that was your relationship to Escape Academy. <laughs> I was banging my drum for Escape Academy. I yeah. love that game. Also, I think uh, I'll, I'll say again, like I, I played a little bit of it and then fell off. And I think the reason is because the way to play this is, is in co-op. It seems like if you have someone to play it with, this seems like a really, really incredible co-op experience. Yeah, it's, it's a co-op game, definitely. So yeah. So yeah, I'd say like, yeah, weirdly, like a show that I, I watched and I was like, oh, that was a disappointment. And then it actually wasn't like there was just something about the presentation. I don't know that I didn't like, but there's like actually a lot of good stuff on here uh, and all, most of it coming coming quite soon. So once again, the Switch continues to get like basically every indie game that I'm excited about that isn't like only coming out on itch, you know? Yeah, well, in in more <laughs> problematic games that are coming news yeah. there was the first gameplay footage for this game called unrecord came out 
And the whole pitch behind this game is basically you are a cop. Red flag already. (laughs) Right. And the way that the game plays, like the perspective is that it looks like body cam footage (laughs) as you run through like, you know, stages and kill people. And unsurprisingly, people had a lot of thoughts on this and why this might not be the best idea. I mean, Jesus, did you (laughs) at a loss? Did you see this when it came out, like the, the gameplay? Like a few days ago, yeah. I don't know. I I never heard of it before. I don't know if it was if this was the first reveal or whatever. But this is the first that I saw of it. But I did see it. The obvious thing is that this is incredibly problematic to like mm-hmm. have a game, a first person shooter, be through the perspective of body cam footage uh, in a time where we are so inundated with the idea of seeing real body cam footage of incredibly traumatic events and terrible police brutality of murdering civilians for no reason. And it just got worse because mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw this. The game then on its Steam page released an FAQ called post reveal response to questions and concerns from players and the second bullet point or second number is pro-police or anti-police to which they say quote as a french studio addressing a global audience the game does not engage in any foreign policy and is not inspired by any real life events the game will obviously avoid any undesirable topics such as discrimination racism violence against women and minorities the game will have no biased or manichean, I don't know how to say that, take on criminal acts and police violence. We also respect and understand people who may feel disturbed by the game's images. Art cannot fight against interpretation, unquote. I'm like, well, if you're not going to talk about discrimination, racism, violence against women and minorities, then uh, your protagonist shouldn't be a cop because that's their favorite thing. Yeah, it's genuinely an insane statement. Like, I do want to read the... um a bit from the following paragraph in that response, (laughs) which is, um, the public generally trusts film, series, whatever that means, and novel writers on the intelligence of the point of view when it comes to detective, gangster, or police stories. Why not for a video game? If the game presents political messages, they will be made consciously or in your interpretation. But you just said that you're not going to address any controversial or possibly upsetting topics. So also it's like the portrayal of cops in media generally is problematic and biased. Right. But it's just like a hell of a thing to say to be like, oh, obviously, like, we're not going to address the topic of racism or discrimination. But why are you saying that video games can't? handle those topics like why why aren't you trusting us to do those and it's like you just because you just said you can't be trusted to to tackle them the very idea that you have a game where you play as a cop especially when you're mimicking the aesthetic of body cam footage which is the body cam was like a thing that was mandated to reduce police brutality like there is a political message baked into that very idea of you using this as a perspective and it's like For you then to say, like, at the same time, well, we can't shy, you know, you should be accepting of those political messages because you do that for any other medium. But then the same statement say we're not going to address Mm. them. It's just like, well, which which is it? You can't say both of those things. Yeah, it's 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 one of those things where it's like 
you can't just use the visual style of something that is real yeah. and separate it from the actual meaning because Which it's seems like, to be very much what's happening here. Yes, that is their that is their like excuse. They're like, well, you know, it's not based on anything. And I'm like, sure, maybe it's not based on like a single police murder, but it is a you know replicating real life body cam footage that has been inundated with these things. It's like you are pulling on real life stuff. You're just trying to separate it from its context, which doesn't mm-hmm. actually work. You can't actually do that because the, the that visual itself is so strongly related to the context. Like the only time anyone has ever seen something that looks like that, it's in the context of police violence. Mm-hmm. And like you can't just make a clean break, especially when you are when your character is a cop. You can if you want to use this like body cam style thing for like, I don't know, a parkour game or something. You know what I mean? Like that's that feels like a very different thing to me like it's it's not mm-hmm. it's not just taking this cool interesting like visual style it very much seems like there was no thought given to what how people would would react to that and like with a very reasonable response that just like this is like a very upsetting thing to play off of it's also the fact that like in addition to the fact that you are using this true this like real life visual thing you are putting it inside of a game and a genre that is expressly about Mm -hmm. shooting the enemy. So you're saying that the like people you're pursuing are the enemy, they're the criminal, whatever. And also it's a game about being trigger happy. Like it's a first person shooter. It's a game about you go, you kill in the form of a body cam footage is ridiculous to like have show to the world because like, I mean, not to mince words, it's like what cops already do. Mm hmm. I had so I had a lot of thoughts about this beyond like just the fact that obviously it's bad. Something that was really interesting to me is that, you know, there is a question, obviously, when this comes up of like, why is this game specifically having this reaction? And it's this idea that it's like it's it's too close to home. Mm -hmm. It feels too real. I kind of saw like there's this interesting aspect of the medium in general where this is objectively terrible. But it's like we need to take stock of like first person shooters in general also because they've always been this bad. Yeah. It's just that the problematic part about this that makes people uncomfortable and like most people who are talking about this, like obviously the like problems with these games are so true. This game should not exist. But it's like one of the things that happens is it's the idea that, you know, the idea of police violence is while it's existed truthfully forever police have always been terrible it feels so presently modern mm-hmm. so we are on like it feels wrong to put that on like on in a game um it also feels so close to like most of the most of the reactions i've seen are like from the u.s audience and it feels again too close to home because that's like that's us that's our country that's like something we are actively dealing with so it's problematic of you to try to do that in art even though obviously this is a terrible attempt to talk about anything but it made me think a lot about how we consume the like first person shooters and how they've become so ubiquitous in gaming. Cause if we think about like call of duty and battlefield, um, which are the two that like the military shooter, those have always been about making the idea of war and shooting exciting and showing it as heroic, which you could argue this body cam police shooter would also do. It's just been more acceptable. While of course, there have been a lot of people talking about how problematic the first person shooter genre is. By and large, it's gotten to its point of success because we don't care, because it's 
the other. It's against the other. We see it as like, well, it's about war, which war is good because we're fighting our enemy. And our enemy is like the non-white foreigner or the terrorist or whatever. And it's, it's almost like, I don't think I've seen the FPS genre ever be able to like say something interesting, even with, why can't I think of the, the, the shooter now? It's not a first person shooter. It's a third person shooter. Do you know what I'm talking about? Are you thinking about? of Spec Ops? I am thinking of, thank you. Okay. Like Spec Ops, the line is the one that people point to the most. Right. But it inherently has its own problems too. Yeah. It's just, I think it sticks out because it's like the only one that I can think of, one of the few that actually like actually makes the attempt. So whether it's successful or not, like it is one that is aware of what it's doing. Yeah. And like this, this whole discussion made me think of, um, there's this really, really great video called the war economy, neocolonialism in games by the YouTube channel game assist. They do a lot of really incredible like YouTube videos, like talking about like really interesting real issues in games and they talk about like the entire shooter genre and the idea of the the entertainment war machine and how video games like perpetrate this idea that like the idea of like the war and the shooting is good and this just feels like it's almost like natural that a game was gonna become this yeah Because it's just, we have this idea that you take the violence in the real world and you turn it into something that is more enjoyable and marketable as a game. So it's very interesting to see. It's horrible and I don't like it, but also I think the majority of shooter games have a same problem that is just not as currently aggressive because we're so used to it at this point. Yeah. So do you think this is worse than the kind of like military shooter subgenre as a whole i think it's the same like legitimately i i think the only reason we're mostly okay with call of duty is at this point one it's just been around for so long that it's totally it's normal also the way it started was about like it's world war ii and we're fighting the nazis you're gonna tell me that a game that talks about fighting nazis is bad i'm like well it's still glorifying war that is bad and then as it became as it became modern and it became modern warfare and was like aggressively current, it was still all pseudo analogy. It wasn't like, it wasn't like, Oh, we're actually going to like fight Al Qaeda. You know, it was like, well, there's this middle Eastern terror cell that we have to fight. And it's like, so it's fictional. It's okay. It's not political guys. It's the same thing. I think it's just, this is the new next step that is more aggressive or seems more abrasive, but I think the whole genre has this problem. No, totally. I, it's like, it's the same. I think it's a, it mirrors the real world idea where it's like, when we see police violence, like we are rightfully horrified by it. But then we all know that the like members of the military are perpetuating like horrible violence against completely random, like civilians in other countries. And that causes less of an uproar because it's like, it's not as close to home. Like it's harder to see. It's easier to mask all of that. And we just sort of like accept the idea that the military is just going to go terrorize random people as much as they feel like it. And we're like only in the last couple of decades reckoning with the fact that like that's happening at home too. And so we feel more horrified about that. Like I remember when military shooters made that jump from like World War II to like, you know, quote unquote modern settings. And there was a lot of 
a lot of like hand wringing about it. And a lot of people were like very rightfully upset as they should have been. And I think honestly, as we still should be like, I still think it's completely unacceptable that there's an entire genre of game that is about committing these acts of like terror that our military is committing in the real world and we're replicating them in in games and now to see it happening with like police violence too is just like i think what what strikes me the most about it is the i mean the body cam aspect of it is very hard to get over because like like we were saying like that is a visual language that is associated with police brutality 100 and so to see that used as a game in any context is just like deeply upsetting i'll also say the video that they released the first like environment you're on looks like an abandoned like school and even though it is abandoned and like there's graffiti and shit all over it is just like unbelievably distasteful to use this environment that that looks like a school and you're running around trying to shoot someone like it's just that really like turned my stomach i don't know if anybody else had that same reaction or if it's just me but like i watched it and i was just immediately like get a fucking grip but I think the thing that really like I don't know worries me about games like this is like it's not the first game where you play as a cop. Obviously, there was like even in recent years there was that Battlefield Hardline game I think it was called yeah where you yeah. play as a cop. There's a game called Door Kickers which is just like also in- insanely distasteful where again you play as a cop and it's just like the thing that it really really kind of worries me is the idea that games like this could become more normalized. And it's just like, it's difficult for me to see. It sort of feels like the kind of game where like people who want to deny police violence or to celebrate it because they're God knows there are enough people like that out there in the mm-hmm. world are going to latch onto this game and try to both like to lift it up and say there should be more games like this while trying to depoliticize it, which the developers are already doing the work of. And I think that's just a really, I mean, not to make like a slippery slope argument, which are like basically always bullshit, but just like it's it's frightening to feel like we we could be at the beginning of of a trend that is becoming like normalizing police violence as a yeah. mode of gameplay like mm-hmm. one of them is bad enough but i just mm-hmm. i just i don't know it, it's it's so upsetting sometimes to realize how much of the like the audience for games just is so unwilling to confront the the political reality that these games are taking place in or to use them as you know like a dog whistle basically is it going to be the same thing as people who were so excited and couldn't stop talking about Harry Potter, the Harry Potter game, not because it was a good game, but because they knew it like upset trans people. Mm-hmm. Are we going to see the same reaction from people being like defending this game, not because they actually like it, but because, you know, the liberal snowflakes don't like it or whatever. And again, that's like projection and that's in an imaginary scenario, but it's hard to imagine it not happening. You know, it, it, I don't know. Yeah, I think for me, another thing that I kept thinking about, which is uh, to even a little bit even more extreme was uh six days in Fallujah. God, yeah, I forgot all about that. Which, you know, the whole controversy about that game was that it was like it was gonna talk about quote unquote true stories of Marines and it was mm-hmm. like gonna be a tactical first person shooter. And people are like, well this is, you know, this isn't kosher. This is too close to the real thing. This is problematic. Like there's a lot of issues with it. And you know, lucky that luckily that game has kind of gone away, although allegedly it's still in development. Mm-hmm. But like it it feels similar to that. And I just I, I know I sound like such a one of those like stupid gaming journalist snowflakes, but it's like oh, maybe we should just try to not make games about shooting people. Whatever. Yeah, it's like I don't know. It's it's very hard to see this as not 
glamorizing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. this is a power fantasy game, and the power fantasy you're you're inhabiting is being a fucking cop. And it's just like that sucks. Sorry, that sucks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know if I have anything else like intelligent to say about it. It's just like, just seems like a bad idea from top to bottom, and it's just distressing sometimes to see the like the unwillingness of people both developing and playing games to to grapple with like what is the message you're actually sending you mm-hmm. know so yeah that's all i have to say about that yeah <laughs> speaking of shitty cops and video games coffee talk so yeah uh coffee talk to episode two hibiscus and butterfly is out i played it i reviewed it i gave it the lowest score it received <laughs> shocker i give it a six out of ten and i i think my overall consensus on it is It's a really great game to play on endless mode with your own Spotify playlist on. It is the epitome of a chill game. I very much like that. But the story is kind of mid. And also the thing, and it's, I say this in my review, basically, it's like all the things in Coffee Talk 2 that are not great kind of exist to some level in the original. And I think this game just shows that more. But the biggest problem is that the story kind of like suggests all these like larger social issues at play in the world and never really actively deals with them in the like real narrative of talking with player or with characters, um, with the exception of like maybe one or two stories. But, you know, every day opens with like a newspaper and all the, and the newspaper has like all these like incredibly all these headlines that are so clearly supposed to be about real world things. Cause it's like, Oh, workers are striking because they, you know, aren't getting rights. Oh, there's, you know, police surveillance is happening. Oh, we have a vaccine for a virus. Mm-hmm. And then the game just like never actually talks about any of these issues. And I get it's cause it's a chill game and it doesn't want to be too serious, but I'm like, then you actually shouldn't mention it at all because it's kind of like it's it's dishonest to be like i'm gonna be so socially aware but then i'm actually never gonna engage with that would you say you liked the original more than the sequel or are they kind of even for you because i think you kind of liked the original right i did and you know i i even played a little bit of it before going back in for episode two and I still enjoyed it. My biggest flaws were more with like, oh, it felt like a first draft. Like there was some Mm -hmm. jankiness that it feels like, but I was like, I don't really have too much of a problem with it. So the second one is exciting. And then with the second one, what I'll say is like brewing drinks is better in the second Mm -hmm. one. They like made it prettier. You have more things to do, like more ingredients you can play with. They had a really nice touch where the latte art that you do actually appears on the cup that you serve, which didn't happen in the original. And that's great. But I think the storytelling is like worse. Yeah. Even. And so that I didn't love. So it's like it's difficult. It is really it really does feel like there are two games within within it. Like there's the, you know, more kind of like visual novel where you see these characters go through story beats and you occasionally serve them drinks. And there's a barista sim where you can just serve drinks endlessly and vibe. And that's the version of this game I like more. Yeah, mm-hmm. I might give it a shot. I when, when I, I knew the second was coming out, so I played a little bit of the first one and I just like I couldn't really get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, I just didn't really love the writing 
Like the characters all seem pretty one dimensional and I just like just couldn't really vibe with it. And I also had some issues with the the brewing part. Like I, I like that idea of like these customers coming in and telling you, like not telling you like I want two shots of coffee and one, you know, unit of milk or whatever, yeah. where they're kind of a little more cryptic and you have to like mm. figure out what they want or like remember people's regular orders and stuff mm. like that. I think that's really cool. I was talking to you about this. I was kind of annoyed with the um the latte art part of it. So pretentious. It it's not my fault. Listen, <laughs> I, I was a barista for like a long time, for like almost 10 years. And so I was very excited about that idea of like a barista sim and being able to like make latte art and stuff. And I just think the way it works is like the, I don't know, like the weird physics of like your milk pouring and stuff mm. is so different from how it actually is that it actually was like very distracting to me where i was like no this is how you do it but it's not working when i do it in this game and i just found that really annoying and i know that's a stupid complaint and (laughs) only affects people like me who are insufferable but i found that really annoying but i do i don't know i i like the idea of it i i really want to like maybe i should do what you said and just try the endless mode with like a spotify playlist i can break out my old playlists from when i was actually a barista and and see if they still hit the spot i will say if you are gonna play this game i would say to definitely play the first one again because Mm. it feels so connected and there will be moments where you'll be talking to customers when they come back and it's like it can be your first interaction in the second game and they'll just be like oh serve me serve me like my usual or like serve me what i like always get Uh At one point, like one of the characters is like, serve me the drink that you gave me the first time we met all those years ago. And you just have to kind of know. Yeah, that's cool. I I, I do like that. I mean, Mm -hmm. let's that's cool. I just yeah, I don't know how appealing like playing through (laughs) both of these games is very fair. But yeah, uh, besides that, what have you been up to this week? Yeah, gosh, um, I have still not really been playing games uh, very much at all this week. I've just been continuing to try to find a job before I lose my apartment. So that's kind of my major major concern at the moment. Um, so I don't really have any games to talk about. So I do, uh, I kind of quickly just want to shout out, I just started reading uh, a book called The Video Game Industry Does Not Exist, uh, which is by Brendan Keough. I've like just started it. So mm-hmm. I, I don't really have like too much to say about it but it's an interesting look at like what the games industry is and like how we are like hyper fixated on the blockbuster game and like Mm -hmm. that is many people's idea of what the games industry quote-unquote is and this is just like attempting to tell a more just like a broader more realistic picture of like how video games are actually made Uh, it's available as open access on mit press so you can read it for free which i highly recommend doing Um, like i said i like barely started but already it, it's i'm really really excited to, to continue with it so the other and the other thing i quickly want to shout out is an album that i've been listening to nonstop this week uh it came out like a week ago and i i don't remember where i heard of it it was just like somewhere on social media i guess there's an album called maybe you'll find me by they devil uh and you can just get it on like Bandcamp or whatever which is what i did it's just like uh a cool like it's a one person act i believe it's just kind of like sad computer music which is perfect for me because i'm a sad computer girl but it's yeah just this very like chill electronic like kind of low-key but it's i've really been listening to it. it's like an incredibly short album most of the songs are like 90 seconds long so the album as a whole is like 20 minutes long so i've just (laughs) been listening to it on loop like all all week uh it's a really really good album i'm i'm 
pretty obsessed with it at the moment. Yeah. Uh, so just want to give that a quick shout out. Mm-hmm. But how about you? What have you been reading or listening to or maybe even playing this week? So yeah, I mean, the only thing I've been playing this week is uh, more Misery Chord. But I already talked about that. Still good. So still good. Still love it. Um, but besides that, the like big, the big rabbit hole I fell down was watching these YouTube videos by this amazing YouTuber Hazel. Uh, their YouTube is at Hazel, but it's three H's. They are they're just like these really interesting, like long YouTube videos. They, I mean, they actually range anywhere from like 30 minutes to like two hours. They're really interesting. And she just goes into a lot of like interesting subjects about anime. Um, a couple of the ones that I've watched so far are, I got into her because I watched her, um, FLCL video, which is this anime. That's pretty weird. Uh, it's a really good video. The one that I think I've liked the most is her video called the anime countryside, which is just all about the idea of the countryside and the country and how Mm. it's portrayed in anime and how it's portrayed over time in anime. It's really good. I I feel like it's one of those things where it starts where you think it does, where it's like, well, oh, obviously the countryside is portrayed as this relaxing place, but like it goes into really interesting discussions of like, well, why did this genre in anime become popular and how does it like relate to like different eras of like real Japanese history? It's really, really good. So I I would just recommend you uh, go to her YouTube, pick a video and watch them. They're very good. I I really like them. Yeah, that sounds really interesting. Mm -hmm. But I think uh, that will be it for sort of grab baggy episode. You can listen to Girl Mode anywhere you listen to podcasts. Uh, You can find us on social. We're on co-host at girl mode dash pod, Twitter at girl mode underscore pod. We're on Tumblr. We are. I don't remember the URL. (laughs) And we have one post. (laughs) Yeah, if you want to go look at pictures of X-Men things, you can find our Tumblr. Whatever. We trust Um, you. You can find it. Yeah, you're smart. We're not going to talk down to our audience, okay? Yeah, no, they're big girls. Yeah. um, You can find me on co-host and Twitter at the Row. And you can find me on co-host and Twitter at Robin Bombas. Make like Aloy and go smooch some girls. Hey, that's Zoe. I know her. Yeah. Did you hear me? What did you say? I said it's hot as balls in here. I know it is hot as balls in here.